freedom. Take back your freedom! Hey guys, it's Mike Sorg. It's another week here at Freelance for Real. It's been a crazy day. Crazy day. Uh, of course, I'm in Pittsburgh, PA, where we felt a little bit of trembling. Not me, because apparently I'm immune. And uh, if you believe some people on Twitter, uh, apparently that means I'm like heroes and I have some kind of superpower. I don't know. Uh, but with me, a guy that has some, I don't know, creative superpowers is uh, Justin Kanaki of TheBaristas.com. He's in hey there, Mike. He's in Baltimore, and you, you were a little closer to the shakeup today, weren't you? That's what they tell me, but I didn't know anything about it, because like you, I didn't feel a damn thing. I was out walking my dog um, in the park. So apparently when you're in a park, you don't really feel things like earthquakes. Though, there was a man at the bus stop as we were passing by who said to me, Did you feel the Earth's vibrations? And I thought he was insane, so I just said yes, which is what you say to insane people who ask you those kinds of questions. Turns out he probably wasn't insane at all. He was probably actually terrified. So I'm a dick. <laughs> Well, you never know. You never know. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and for those who don't know, maybe you're catching us on a different day. This is the day where uh, apparently there was an earthquake over in, uh, Ro- is it Roanoke, Virginia? I believe that's where they said it was, Roanoke, Virginia. Roanoke, Somewhere Virginia. in the Virginia area, Last East I Coast. heard, it was updated to about a 5.8, 5.9, and so they're saying. they fell all the way up in Toronto. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. When you say they, you mean everybody who's not me and Mike. So uh, just keep the Twitters, that in mind. The Twitters. The Twitters. So I, yeah. I've heard that through the Twitters. No, no confirmed sources. But same thing with that heroes thing. So you know, maybe you vibrate at the same speed as the Earth does, Mike. That could be your power. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Like Magneto or something. Yeah. Nice. You're seismic. I'm in tune. I'm in tune. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, cause quakes. Uh, but you know, it, it is funny because, you know, one reason I like the, the, the Northeast, uh, for working and, and, and don't want to go out to California as it seems everybody's like, well, that's what you got to do if you want to be a creative professional or something or, or a startup or whatever is I don't like the earthquakes. I don't like the idea of the earth, uh, consistently moving. And now, now it feels like we're not getting away from that over here in our neck of the woods. Yeah, it's going to move. It doesn't matter where you are. There's <laughs> America was built on fault lines. The earth is a giant shake waiting to happen. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every, any place you go, there's going to be problems. If you go down south, you've got hurricane. Isn't this today is the same day that hurricane, what Irene is supposed to hit, right? So there's always a major weather something or other right around the corner that you've got to be petrified about. Uh, Americans seem to, to live their lives in between panic states. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least there's no tornadoes, you know, over this way. As I would, n- I would knock wood, but I, yeah, I'm afraid I'm not yeah, sitting over. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, have, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, it's hey, no guests today, as you can probably tell. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what are you looking at there? What do you got there? I have here, Mike. A non-sponsored coffee mug from Powell's Books in <laughs> Portland, Oregon. And I mentioned this only because if people did want to send us free stuff to show on the show, I could hold it like I'm doing now. You know, we are, are generally an audio podcast, but for the live people. Of which or I could talk about what an awesome selection of books <laughs> Powell's has. If you've never been there, it's multiple stories. They have a rare book room that you have to get a key to go into. I think you're accompanied by a dwarf. It's awesome. You should go. I've been there. I want to go back. Fantastic. <laughs> well, if you want to contact us for any sponsorship opportunities or uh, just to uh, 
uh, get more of the show. Uh, we're at freelanceforreal.com, the number four real. Uh, you can catch us and comment with us and talk with us at freelance for real on Twitter or freelance for real at sorgatronmedia.com. And we also, we do these every Tuesday. Again, we mentioned the video. Uh, you can watch us live. Tuesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern at live.sorgatronmedia.com. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Mediafly. Leave some comments, rate us, do all that stuff. Let us know what you think of the show. So, uh, Justin, today, the, the, the big question we were talking about was our futures. Yes, we were talking about the future, Mike. In the- Not that we know what the future brings, que sera, sera, no, no. but we are quite concerned about our own futures as freelancers. Yes, we are. Now, I know you've had a bit of a shakeup here lately. Yeah, I had a, a couple weird situations happen. One was uh, I went through a situation where I had about four major projects all happen at about the exact same time. So once I got everything done, uh, all of the invoices came due at the same time. And suddenly I was in the position a freelancer always wants to be in, which is I was um, flush with cash, which is nice. Um, now, granted, that means that there then comes a lull because while you're working on projects, it's very tough to find the time, at least in, in my workflow, to also be promoting yourself for additional projects. Uh, fortunately, because I work with uh, agencies as well, they do a lot of the bringing in of clients and I do a lot of the problem solving for those clients. So I don't have to always be finding new work per se, but it doesn't hurt. So situation one basically is I've got more, um, invoices in the mix than I usually do. And what it basically means is I've given myself sort of a, a cushion for the first time in a long time. I don't have to panic about where my next job is coming from because I'm sort of covered for a little bit. And it's letting me take a long view and sort of step back and say, okay, if my bills are paid for a couple months, instead of trying to find the next client, the next job, the next paycheck, what if I look at the business as more of a long-term growth and what are the steps I should be taking to Build a system that works. Uh, you know, first, before we get into the future thing, now, when we started this show, I mean, you had come off, uh, uh, you know, you had your kind of like, uh, I don't know, awakening about your clientele and trying different things. How much of this giant influx of, of uh, work is, is a direct result of that? Or is this something that was just coming down the pike anyways and, and you got around to it? Um, well, one, two, three... I would say all but one of the invoices that uh, I am currently either processing or waiting to become processed uh, are from existing clients that I've had for more than a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just happen to have a large amount of work they needed done all at once. And it's a good thing they did because I had done good work for them in the past, and uh, they decided that they would like more of it from me. So that's it's not even a referral. It's just a resumption of work. That's Rufus scratching himself behind me. He's still concerned about the earthquake, as you can tell. As you can tell, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's good to have clients who want you back. That's fun. Um, and then the other uh, portion of what I'm working on right now is one of the agencies I'm working with has a couple clients that we are in the pitch process on of starting to do some um, online media strategy for them and probably some content creation. So uh, very soon, I'm presuming I will have to start coming up with bold and inventive new ideas off the top of my head. Uh, which I haven't had to do in at least a week, so that's good. Fantastic, fantastic. So, so what is you? What what's your kind of thought on this? I mean, you you have a, a little bit of a you know nice, nice bit coming in. What are you gonna What are you gonna do with that? You're gonna invest in Apple? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I have a hierarchy. I don't know if you've done this or not, but uh, so since 
uh, I've gone freelance, I've sort of had the, the idea in my head of the order of importance of things that need to be paid for. And you start with the basics like bills, you know, rent, utilities, mm-hmm. groceries, mm-hmm. things of that nature, things that you have to pay for every month, mm-hmm. uh, credit card minimums, things of that, uh, along those lines. Um, but beyond that, it's almost like a wide open playing field. So how do you figure what the next concentric circle of important shit I should be buying is? Is it to grow the business? Is it to pay down debts? Is it to upgrade old equipment? Is it to do, um, you know, create a nest egg for yourself? If you were a smart uh, business person who wanted to make sure that there was always a cushion there, keep a nest egg laying around. How do you decide where, you know, what the hierarchy is? Um, so I have my own thoughts about it, but I'm also the one who's bringing up the subject. So Mike, how have you handled it? Um, by the skin of my teeth so far. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I mean, I put, I put aside money for the business to get things done, like this trip to Baltimore to the Comic Con to promote some stuff. Um, and haven't really, like, I still need to explore insurance and I need to soon before my prescriptions run out. Um, right. You know, that, that kind of thing. That's the thing. And I don't know about you. I know you, you say you, you, uh, stay away from physically daunting activities so you don't get hurt. I actually have an active, uh, uh, medication for, uh, for my thyroid. Ah. Um, so, you know, it, it, you know, and, and luckily last time I started getting the three month, uh, uh, things. And with my schedule, I have also had a horrible time keeping a routine. So I haven't always been taking it every day. So it's been stretched out a bit. I'm sure I've also gained about five pounds since because of that um so it's been unfortunate <laughs> gotcha so there, there, there's so a hierarchy I, of things so i have need. a time uh to, to i have a i have, I have something kind of an expiration date to do that and uh and it's right on my yeah. bottle um but other than that uh no it's really been just kind of uh still setting the groundwork and getting equipment aside um to make sure i'm prepared for everything you know um and and not really preparing for the long term at this point but I, I guess it's that kind of hierarchy. Make sure I can proceed now and, uh, and, and to get to that point where I can start uh, setting for the future. I would agree. Uh, it, it's, it, it's hard to plan for the future when you're not sure if your immediate present and very near future are taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also, you know, I have that extra wrench in it where with uh with the cafe, which is done, you know, well enough, but not, you know, well enough to be on its own without a little bit of support. Um, so the cafe, also- for those of you who don't know, is the cafe that you and your <laughs> wife are running in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yes. And actually bringing my brother in uh, in the next couple of weeks to start helping out with this, it looks like. So um, family business all around. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. Very much so. Um but, uh, so, I mean, I, you know, it's very typical situation. It's a very complex situation for me. But, uh, but again, I, we still have, like, we're bringing in enough that the general bills are being paid. And, uh, you know, maybe for a little bit extra stuff. So that's the important. So you start out by just hoping you can break even and tread water, right? Like, you, when you go into the freelance world, you're like, as long as I don't, you know, uh, have to live out of a cardboard box, things are okay. I exactly. want to keep up. As we talked about, I think last week with uh, Steve Klabnik, he has a very low, um, his, his needs in terms of income are much lower than some other people's when they go freelance because Steve purposely tries to own very few things and keep a very fluid lifestyle where if he needs to travel, he can very easily. He's not locked down, doesn't own a car, that sort of a thing. So the less you have tying you down, the easier it is to make quote unquote enough money at freelance to get by. 
you and I have more things. We have more anchors in this world that are keeping yeah. us in one spot. So we have more things to pay for. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I have a house. I can't just pick up and leave, you know, at a drop of a half because I have a house and now we have the cafe that we're very locked into here locally. Uh, yeah. had a, uh, throughout much of the weekend, I had a conversation with, uh, uh, a friend we traveled out there with. And, uh, you know, about the, you know, the thoughts of like going to New York because of the wife's job and what he could do while well, he could pick up a little bit of freelance and something in his field or, 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 or something along that lines in there. But then they're also talking about the same time, like, like getting a house and becoming a landlord or something. And that's still, it's still, it's very anchoring of a process and you have to make sure you're covering your expenses of living in New York of all places, which is, just, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you guys were telling me how much it is down there in Baltimore. New York's even worse. Um, which is, you know, definitely a different set of rules than it is here in Pittsburgh, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about comparison of cost of living, keep in mind though, that you would hope if you are working in a city with a higher cost of living, or if you're, for some reason you're moving to one, that your salary is also increasing to the same percentage, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we moved here to Baltimore two years ago is because uh, my girlfriend Anne got a uh, higher paying job here by a significant amount than what she was making in Pittsburgh, but also Baltimore's cost of living is slightly higher. Not, not too much. So it, it balanced out properly where she was making more money, paying slightly more, but not as much as she would have, uh, if, you know, uh, to where it would have become a, a net loss. Like we're actually able to save more now than we could in Pittsburgh. So, uh, it's, Savings are the tough part too, right? So you start out by wanting to make sure you've met, you know, all your bills, all your, all your loose ends are tied up. And then the next thing you want to do, I think anyway, this is where I've been pr pursuing it is putting aside at least a small amount, a nest egg of some kind where in case of emergency, if things go horribly wrong, you know, you don't, you don't have to panic. Like you don't have to go and liquidate all of your uh, CDs, uh, and you can take that to mean CDs as in investments or CDs as in what's on your shelf at home, whatever you can liquidate for cash, um, to pay for emergency things like car bills, medical bills, etc. Yeah, uh, yeah. Earlier this year, we had a problem, actually. Anne had a uh, an incident in our vehicle. And it happened right at the end of a month where we had a bunch of other bills piling up, plus that, plus one of my clients... Um, was late with the payment. So when all those things roll together, it just feels like thorns in your eyes. And you think, man, why wasn't I prepared for this? And, uh, and I feel like I'm kind of sliding into the same kind of spot myself. Um, we actually have a couple of things with the car that really immediately needed to get taken care of, but I'm kind of waiting for that one check to come in. And I know the time frame that one comes in. Meanwhile, I'm doing this, uh, you know, a lot of the major projects aren't, uh, in swing right now. Uh, and I was concentrating a lot on promotion for like the podcast network and the, and the mm -hmm. professional network and networking and everything. Um, but you know, and I need to also concentrate, make sure something else is coming. But I do have that base that at least we have this much, you know, we're, we're pretty set on that for the time being and that, you know, contracts for that and stuff. Um, but you know, I always got to be, and I like to think that the promotion is setting that groundwork for if something does fall out, you know, I have enough resource to, to find something to replace it. Yeah, you're talking about promotions and making sure there's groundwork laid for the future. I feel like, so now that I'm in this, this headspace where I don't have to be panicking every day. And it's, I mean, panicking, I sort of overuse that word, but really, when you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from, there yeah. is a yeah. slight amount of uncertainty in your life every day because you'd love to wake up and be creative, but it's really hard to be creative or proactive when 
your absolute most basic needs are still have question marks at the end. Mm-hmm. So now that I don't have any question marks for at least the immediate future, I'm thinking, I look at all my processes. I look at the way that I currently share information. I look at the ways that I try and drive traffic to the websites that I'm maintaining, uh, the, the way in which I try and promote my services, uh, in, in which I try and promote the baristas show that I produce with you, uh, in which we even you know promote this show. And I think the system that we're all that we're using, the processes that are involved for all these things, have been built so that we can keep them all alive. Like we're juggling all these multiple balls in the air at the same time, just fast enough that we don't drop any of them. And if we have this breathing room that I've got right now, why not step back and look at it and see, okay, can we take a few weeks and build a more stable you know, uh, promotional procedure? Can we build a more stable business back end for what we're doing? So that you can start to create um, either passive streams of revenue, you can start to attract advertisers, you can automate certain things that you're currently doing, you know, by hand at this point. Mm-hmm. You can refocus, you know, am, am I, when I'm promoting my own work, am I promoting it to the wrong audiences? Am I just desperate for any kind of viewership or readership? Or should I be looking at a specific niche of, you know, of uh, of an audience? You know, I, I don't think about it until I have time. You know, I, I do remember from web web design. Uh, you know, the bit I've done, the bit I've learned. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like you're you're building that that user interface, and it's not until you get that in the in the hands of a user and you get that feedback that you realize how how wrong you were. And that seems to be the case for a lot of times with advertising. There was a lot of things. Uh, we kind of took the process, the, the general process we did, uh, you know, just as far as our Comic-Con booth. We went to Pittsburgh with uh, Sorgatron Media and Mangtoons, and then we went to Baltimore with pretty much uh, a little bit refined, just kind of the leftovers of what we had from Pittsburgh. And we're like, okay, let's just do that here and see how it goes. And there was a, and there was a little bit of modifications we made, and, uh, and there, was, uh, there was a lot of questions came up. You know, like I, I think I was telling you, like I had, a, a, or maybe I was telling Dawn actually. Um, you know, a lot of people would walk up to us and say, "Okay, what exactly am I looking at here?" So now I'm like considering the message we're doing, even just as far as what are we presenting in this booth. And yeah. we're writing down a lot of it. I actually went around and took pictures of other people's booths, people doing stuff similar to us with the podcast and and networking and web comics, uh, kind of thing. And and other people just had crazy off the wall, you know, ideas, you know. Uh, as far as what a booth is, I can real I didn't realize you could do that much with an artist alley booth, which is what most of the interesting stuff was there, as opposed to Pittsburgh, where it was really minuscule in comparison. And we actually are looking to get a bigger, you know, what they consider a booth, you know, promotional booth there. Um, and then what do we bring from that? If we start, you know, talking with people, say, what are other markets? What other places we should try? We're looking at maybe Chicago next year. New York, we'll probably never get into, but there's alternate cons up there, like Big Apple. I think it should be easier to get into, mm-hmm. you know, because that, well, the New York Comic Con has like a waiting list, it seems like. Um, so, I mean, there's, that's a lot of questions. There. And it's kind of like, 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 like what you're t- talking about. You know, you get this. Well, it, it's funny that you mentioned the, uh, the artist alley booths at the Baltimore Comic Con because, your reaction to having seen some of the other booths is, oh, I never even thought you could do this with a booth. Exactly. Exactly. And think about the ways that, well, first of all, think about the ways clients approach a lot of the things that you might be pitching to them, which is, oh, I didn't even realize you could do this with a website yeah. or with a Twitter feed or with yeah. a video. Yeah. And then on top of that, what are all the things we're not thinking of? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, so it really, 
as you've seen there, and I think as I'm learning right now with the, the extra time that I've got, you need to make time to not only research your competition or the people that you think are inspiring or, you know, or doing good work in your space, but you really need to think outside the box. It's almost like you have to pencil in thinking outside the box time into your <laughs> workflow when you can, because otherwise you'll just keep running in the exact same rut constantly, even if it's working. Hey, yeah. You, and this applies to a lot of places, you know, uh, you, you, you know, kind of like how we get together and knock, you know, ideas of freelancing off of each other and other mm -hmm. people we brought in. Um, I think that goes for design that goes for, you know, any kind of work you're doing that need, that is developed, that is evolving as we go along. Well, I, we hope it's evolving. Yeah. If it's otherwise, it's just keeping itself on life support, which would be the problem. Um, so we, uh, I mentioned the hierarchy earlier of uh, things that you know you need to pay for in a certain order. And I mentioned rethinking your approach to business, your approach to workflow. So here's the other twist. You had mentioned at the top of the uh, podcast here that there were two weird things that happened to me recently. The one was the, the sudden influx of all my invoices coming together at the same time, which was nice. The other one, also nice, but sort of kind of a, of a, of a, it's almost a conundrum. I'm not sure what to make of it yet. Is uh, one of my clients has a full-time position available. It might be more than one. I'm not sure. But uh, they asked me to come in for an interview uh, last week, so I did. And it's basically for a full-time position doing the work that I kind of already do for them, and then some. And when I left my full-time job back in 2005, it was under the presumption that I would never again work in an office and do the nine-to-five thing because <laughs> my experience with it was just a little too... Um, what, what, what word do we, should we use here, Mike? It was just a little too limiting. It was a little too uh, growth-stunting for me just yeah, at that yeah. phase of my life. That sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah. So I've always thought better for me to sink and swim under my own power and only have myself to blame than to get myself into a situation where I'm working another nine to five, you know, kind of a job and feeling like I'm at the mercy, my time especially, is at the mercy of other people. So now I find out uh, that I am involved in the second round of interviews for this job, which again is a good thing. It means that I certainly know what I'm talking about enough and have made the positive connections enough to be considered for a full-time job there. In theory, I should be ecstatic about this. And like part of my brain is just because it's nice to have that validation and it's nice to see the potential of a guaranteed full-time paycheck and benefits because when you don't have those as neither you nor I do right now, that becomes alluring after a while. But then the other half of my brain thinks, is this the wrong move for any number of reasons? Does it mean that I'm, I'm uh, considering giving up on, on what I've been building so far? Does it mean that I am, uh, in some ways hypocritical of saying, well, I'm quitting full-time job because of X, Y, and Z. And now I might be considering going back into a full-time job, even though X, Y, and Z might still be issues, you know, uh, at what point do the positives of this potential opportunity outweigh my reservations about it? Or at what point do I look at it objectively and go, you know what, even if it is a good opportunity, I'm better off not accepting it. I haven't yet figured out where I stand on that sort of archipelago of uncertainty. So uh, how would you be approaching the situation? Uh, well, I, 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 more and more I find uh, that, uh, yes, I, I don't think I could work in a large corporate culture kind of thing. Uh, and, a nine to, and the nine to five experience kind of taints my, my thoughts on it. But I got to realize you know, not every place is going to be like that. There are some positive influencing places out there. Um, 
But, and I think also you and I both got very frustrated with various aspects of our nine to five jobs. And there is no guarantee that the next job would be like that or no, no. that we are not more, uh, shall we say, mature or better able to handle certain frustrations or better able to negotiate our way through them than we might have been three, four, five years ago. Yeah. And, and one theory I have is, uh, you know, it's better to have, have taken the chance to try to go on your own than not at all. And even if that kind of grows you as your responsibilities and how you handle things and, and stuff that you normally wouldn't handle, just being stuck within the confines of the same nine to five. Um, if, if it comes around it, it, that, that you get another chance at a nine to five, uh, and, uh, and, and it looks like a really good opportunity. Uh, I, I think a lot of like the freelance stuff, I mean, would you really have a chance at, a, at, at the position you're looking at? If it wasn't for the last, how you know, uh, what six, seven years that you've been uh, growing on your own? Well, I mean, that's true. Your freelance is a living portfolio as you're creating it. So you're right. Like, it's kind of surprising in a certain way that you. Well, when I say you, I mean me in this case. But that anyone who's been freelancing for a while would be considered for a full time nine to five job without the benefit of an existing nine to five boss and references and so forth. So we've come a long way. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, good, good for us. Uh, Mr. Derby in the chat room uh, asks, uh, would you be worried if they hired someone other than you, then would you lose this client? I don't, I don't know if that's the situation though. Oh, that's an interesting point. Um, in this case, and it might be different for other cases. In this case, I'm not concerned about that because even if I s did not get this particular position, the work that I've been doing for this client isn't going to go away. In fact, I don't even know if, uh, if I'm hired uh, and accept this job, uh, that work might still exist. I might be sh uh, you know, shifted away to do something else within the company and they would still need contractors to do what I'm currently doing for it them might now. Be, might be pushing you to something more specialized. Yeah. Yeah. So I so, mean, interesting opportunity. What I'm, what I'm thinking about it is if I take away if we just look at it from a, from a financial standpoint rather than a freelance structure, to know that there was a guaranteed paycheck and benefits coming in and a 401k and all the other things that real boys have at this point in their lives uh, is tempting. And I think, well, okay, I'd be giving up time primarily. I'd be giving up freedom. Now, granted, I run my life like a jackass anyway, so it's not like I'm awake <laughs> at 4 a.m., you know, uh, working out at the gym and then having power lunches all day long, you know, as a freelancer, as we've said on the show numerous times, motivation can be one of our own worst enemies. Yeah. So yeah. we both know that we could be a lot farther along in our freelance careers had we gotten up every day and ate the uh, alpha male uh, breakfast, but we sort of skimped on that and slept in. So <laughs> knowing though that I can't do that if I take a full-time job again, that's been the main sticking point in the back of my head. How much is my freedom and my autonomy and my time worth? So when it came time to start figuring out what salary expectations would be for a job like this, I had to factor in two things. One was, okay, my own work experience and what I can bring to the table in terms of the programs that I know and the work that I do and the connections that I have and whatever I can actually functionally perform. And the other one was, sure, I'd be getting benefits and sure, I'd be getting you know uh, other uh, financial incentives to take a full-time position, but what kind of a premium do I need to factor in here in terms of therefore knowing that I'm not going to have my own free time per se anymore. If I'm salary, I have to be there till, you know, midnight, some nights if they need me. 
Uh, we'd have to get a permanent dog walker to walk the dog since that's, that's my free job that I do right now every day. And even though that's a small thing, you know, that's going to be an extra couple hundred dollars a month now. So we have to add that on to what you would normally be asking in terms of salary. So started to add all that up and I realized if I were just going to price this out as a contractor, it would almost be cheaper than if I were to price this out as a full-time employee in terms of what I would want to ask for because I feel like my time is worth more than just the act of sitting in front of a computer for nine hours a day and getting paid for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that changes things. And, and, and you've seen that where, uh, you know, uh, how many, how many times were you, people work and people experience this at nine to five. You're, you're kind of there to fill time rather than do actively work sometimes. Yeah. You're a resource that they hope to take, you know, to, to make use of. Mm-hmm. And uh, very often they can. And sometimes they will overwork that resource because it just needs to be done. And then like freelancers, you uh, as a full timer will hit that lull yeah. where they can't make use of you adequately. And you sort of feel like, what the hell am I doing? I'm just running in place. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and maybe, maybe my situation, I kind of have a foot in the nine to five because I do one day for a client go in nine to five and work with them. Mm-hmm. And, and have my desk and, and everything like that. And, and so I think I still have a little bit of that experience still actively happening. Um, but which I'm, means you have an active comparison too. Exactly, and you can say exactly. I mean, it's still a, it's still a better nine five situation, I think, but sometimes, uh, you know, tr- you know, I see the kind of office mentality and the stuff you have to fight against to get certain initiatives going and battling with that, which makes mm-hmm. it even worse. That I'm in there one day a week to try to convince people. Um, right. But, you know, then that's been fun. Uh, but, you know, that, that changes your mentality. Will you, do you think you'll be as effective of a worker or will you be sliding back into the nine to five tendencies or will, you know, their office kind of, you know, slide you back into those nine to five tendencies just to fit in at that point. I guess it's going to depend. First of all, if I even uh, have to enter that phrase of the, of the conversation with the, with the client, but presumably, presumably. Okay. So let's say, let's say that is on the table. Devil's advocate here. There you go. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what the actual corporate culture is in this company. So I'd need to get my feet wet there and see. Yeah. But so you'd be taking a jump and a question, big question mark either way if you do this. Oh yeah. And it's not like, here's, here's the weird twist though, Mike. And I think you'll, you'll see this from my point of view too. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous to want to hire someone who's been freelancing for a while because that person in a lot of ways doesn't have anything to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it behooves a nine to five company to hire people who have large amounts of debt, who have significant others, potentially children, certainly pets, whatever it is that requires you to have to keep forking money back into the system. Because the more, as we've said before, Steve Klabnik uh, from last week, the more anchors you have to keep you in one place, the more money you have to earn on a monthly basis to maintain your lifestyle, the less likely you are to jump ship for another opportunity. And the more likely you are to stay put for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that. I've, we, we, I think we've both seen that firsthand with people. Oh, absolutely. So knowing that I'm going into this potential opportunity, being very comfortable as a freelancer, granted it's, it's a frantic, hectic, crazy lifestyle, but I've gotten used to it right over the yeah, course of yeah. five or six years. Like, I'm, this, this I'm, is your life. 
Whatever, yeah. It's like the ER of making money. It's a crazy <laughs> ball of blood and shit every day, but you make it through somehow. Um, so now that I'm very used to it, it would be nothing for me to go back to it. So if I'm going into a full-time job that in the end I find I'm banging my head against the wall, I am not one bit worried about having to step back from that and go, you know what, this is not a good fit for me, and I'm going to go back to doing what I had been doing. Mm -hmm. Which is why the last part of this whole puzzle I'm trying to figure out, if I were to take on a full-time job and there is no... um, I'm not sure how they would phrase it. It wouldn't be a um, a non-compete, but a, a conflict of interest clause or things like that. If if whatever I sign does not preclude me from continuing to do freelance, I would obviously want to keep doing freelance even while I'm doing the full-time job, mm-hmm. both because I... There's aircraft overhead if you hear that, folks. So I think it was an emergency airplane. But anyway, uh, both because I want to make sure that I don't have all my revenues coming from one source. I've said this before, like as a freelancer, you can't do it. And even as a full-time employee, you really shouldn't. Like there's always got to be some sort of a fallback. Uh, but also I would want to maintain the relationships that I've been fostering for these past five or six years. You don't suddenly say to the people who've been referring work to you and for, for whom you've been doing business for years and years, I don't need you now. Thank you. Go away. Mm-hmm. And then if things don't work out with the, with the new job, go and say, Oh, I was kidding. Hi, come back, pay me. So I, I would want to maintain my freelance lifestyle to the best of my ability while also doing the nine to five while also having the creative outlet of the baristas, which means I won't have any life and I'll probably die young. <laughs> no rest eh. for the wicked. That's, that's run through my head uh, a lot as I lose sleep. But would not the extra money coming in from a full-time job actually give me the peace of mind and the uh, the basis to grow these other things? You know, if if we if we knew that money was no well, not no object, but if we knew that the availability of funds was was not a, ma- a massive concern, we could spend more time promoting the baristas, promoting this show, promoting the other things that we do individually. Um, it's almost like you would be. I think Hugh McLeod said it really well on uh, gapingvoid.com, if you're familiar with him. His big uh, uh, pitch is have your your cash job and your sex job, right? Your cash job is the one that makes you the money and pays you the bills, and the sex job is the one you want to keep doing. So if you take a cash job, whether it's freelance or full-time, as long as you still have that creative outlet, that's the real reason you're waking up in the morning. I don't see why there's that big of a conflict. I guess we'll find out. Interesting. Interesting. And this is also why he advocates not merging the two and turning your sex job into your cash job because you will eventually resent your cash job no matter what. Mm -hmm. So if you start doing for a living what you've wanted to do your whole life, inevitably, and it's probably not inevitable, but nine times out of ten, the mundane day-to-day life will rob you of all joy of whatever it is you had been doing. You know, and that's kind of a thing. Like, uh, you know, again, going to the Baltimore Comic-Con, got to see some of the Marvel guys on a panel and everything, and you did kind of get that sense. It was like, yeah, this is kind of what we do every day. I grew up wanting to do this my whole life, and here I am, you know, and and that kind of conveys in a lot of questions that people are like, how do I get into your industry, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... Well, if you're you're familiar with um, Parks and Recreation... Mm Mm-hmm. 
the uh, actor Aziz Ansari, who plays uh, Tom on that show. I was just on his website earlier today, and it was funny. He had a uh, one of the many uh, interviews he's been doing right before the release of his movie. Um, what is it? Thirty minutes or less, and uh, it was it was like this is me on Conan. Have I talked on all the talk shows enough to make you want to go see my movie? Okay, good. I'm done now. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's a flip comedian to begin with, but it's true. Like, what we look at is, oh, you get to be on Letterman. They look at it as like, oh, my God, I've got to go on Letterman again. You know, so everything yeah. becomes a job eventually. Yeah, you see that. I, any any creative thing like that, everything like that. Uh, you know, people people in, in, in you know, our positions watching uh, the comedians and the and the the professionals like that are why man it must be so cool to be you no it's just another job yeah you know but you forget that when you're on the outside every the grass always looks greener i can exactly. sit here right now and say oh that full-time job might be exactly what i need and then in five months i'll probably be saying why did i take it whereas i could just say no i always want to be freelance then five months from now i'll be going damn i'm still freelance so if you're convinced you're never going to win at the day job make sure you're having a lot of sex at your sex job <laughs> <laughs> or is it is it just uh you know maybe we're just never happy in the thing we're we're doing we're we're always happiest with the thing we're going to be doing next oh i think that's very true yeah i don't know yeah. if it's generational or just human or american i can't put my finger on it but that's that rings true to me on very many levels uh i think if 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 you had contentment you'd almost be bored mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that's another way to resent what you're doing too like oh there's no challenge anymore i enjoy it all fuck <laughs> exactly well this has been good 40 minute conversation it looks like just about <laughs> wow um I, I think we had a lot of interesting points to at least keep people thinking about what they are maybe we scared people back into their day jobs i don't know uh i don't know about that i mean the, the one thing i can add here is that getting this opportunity for a full-time job i stepped back from it and i said okay if i were to accept this great my life changes for a while i do things differently blah 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 that's fine if I don't, and I go back to what I'm doing right now today, like it, nothing has ever changed, I think for, for the, the short run, I would feel like, oh, that was a missed opportunity, or I did something wrong in the interview process, or whatever, blah, 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 fine. But once you get past that, if I look at the amount of money that I, that I could be making, and, like, and if you add in all the benefits and the whatever else is, and you understand what that actual cash package is, and I think to myself, okay, that's in front of me right now, and I may or may not want that or take it or pursue it or whatnot. If I don't, though, I really have to step up the freelance game and, and make as close to that as I can to justify having not gotten that opportunity is the way I look it's at it. It's kind of a nice judgment of what you're worth, yeah, which we've talked is. about is really hard to judge when we're just kind of flying solo. Yeah, very much. And you can arbitrarily price yourself into or out of jobs because you're not sure what you should be asking for. Exactly, exactly. I, I have that problem all the time. I, I don't know. I don't know if I didn't get called back on a job because of the price I gave them, or 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 some other factor. You know, I don't know very many freelancers who do figure that out. Even the yeah. ones who are in the process of sending out RFPs for everything, and they find out that the finalists and they don't get the job. You know, sometimes there's the phone call that says what went wrong. You know, and very often. Uh, I have learned, if this puts anybody's mind at ease, I have learned that just like when you're hiring your new football coach and you know the guy you want, but you've got to interview two other guys anyway to make it look good, mm -hmm. very often you're in the process of pitching for gigs you're never going to get because they already have their mind set on somebody else they've used before, exactly. but they need exactly. to present multiple uh, budgets to the people who make the decisions just so they can say, well, here's we did our due diligence, now let's go with choice A anyway. Mm -hmm. I, uh, uh 
Mr. Derby in the chat again chimes in, and, and this is a this is a line that I always have in my head when when people are interviewing. He's like, remember, remember this. You you got to remember that when you interview, uh, you are interviewing them as well. So they have to sell oh, you yeah. on giving up your lifestyle or the job you're at, you know, or or whatever, and say, is this a fit for me? You don't just take a job because it's a job, unless you really just need a job. Um, in this economy, there may be some folks who want to go that route. Yes, exactly, but exactly. You're but, right. I mean, we're talking about us. We're in, we're in a position where, uh, you know, they, we are sought after for skills, and 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 you know, and there there's you know, obviously, you're not you're not clamoring for a job right now. So they're trying to lure your way into it. You, know, you have something they want, which is a nice, nice position to be in. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of this next phase of the interview, in my opinion, is not only me having to prove that I'm worth further consideration, but them selling me on the idea that what I already know I'd be giving up is worth giving up. So we're about to see. Mm-hmm. But even if this doesn't follow through, even if I go in and maintain my freelance lifestyle, I now feel like I'm in a great headspace to step back and say, where do I really want to be? Like, I know where I could get to in two to three years if I if I accepted this opportunity uh, in terms of financial stability, in terms of the things I'd be able to accomplish, blah, blah, blah. Could I do that right now with the way I run my freelance business? Probably not. So what's missing? What are the steps I need to put in place to get there? So I'm really actually grateful for this opportunity, even if I end up not accepting it or not having it offered to me, because it's made me think differently and more concretely about the steps I should be taking, but maybe haven't up to this point. Excellent. I think that's a good point to end it on, sir. Sweet. All right. Uh, well, hey, I, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. We, of course, the Barista's is uh, in, back in the full swing. As we're figuring that Indeed. out. <laughs> Indeed. Yep, yep. So uh, tell, tell us how that's going in, in general. Good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thebaristas.com, a uh, web sitcom about life in a cafe, the folks who work there, drink there, etc. Uh, we are back in our second story arc right now. We're doing 20 episodes in our first season, and we just put up our 13th episode this week. It is, in my opinion, the best one we've ever done, so by all means, go watch thebaristas.com. But they're like my babies. I love them all, even if some of them are gangly and bizarre. But this one is the cute one that should bring in the chicks, so I, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and, and Also, I should oh, point out, yes. Mr. Sword, you've been... Um, co-directing and uh, lead cinematographer on these uh, most recent episodes. Uh, bully to you, sir, for doing a very good job. Uh, thank you. It, it's a, you know, it's been an experience. Like I said, this, I haven't done much for, for this, you know, fictional kind of content. Uh, it's usually this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's been fun. It's been a learning process. And I, I was really happy to see how some of the shots that I was particularly uh, curious about uh, that we worked on on the fly uh, come up in this episode. That's been the interesting thing for me, too. I'm so used to doing it all on my own for the most part that now that it's becoming a true collaboration amongst uh, you know the crew and the cast is getting to see what things look like that I wasn't expecting them to look like. They look kind of unusual. They look kind of different. And it's almost like when it's done, I get to watch a show that someone else made, even though I made it. Like, it's it's cool in that regard. I'm not, I'm not um, unsurprised by it because I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And it's always hard to, to put, you know, vital parts in other people's hands of a creative process too. Well, yeah, but if you don't, if I, in this case, don't, if I don't diversify uh, and start delegating responsibilities, it can never grow beyond what I've got time to do. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we're looking at. Chachi's going to get back in here and get on the uh, switcher today for awesome cast. So we're going to get Sweet. back into that. Now that he's fully recovered uh, from his uh, early summer <laughs> injury, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get him back on that and teach him switching in here. So 
you know, trying to get this autonomous. So it's not just depending on me. So. No, it, it can't. You know, one of my clients brought up a very interesting point a couple of weeks ago. He said, I look at my business sometimes and he, he does, um, uh, design and, uh, and online media. He says, most of what I do is project based. If this company ever got to the point where we're going to sell it, what really are the, uh, the resources that would be involved in that sale? And I mean, outside of a little bit of the, of the, uh, intellectual property, you know, collateral that they, that they have, most of what they've done is just been under lock and key for their own clients. They don't really own anything. They don't really have anything they could sell you. Uh, what are they going to give you? Like the, the licenses to the programs? That's not really interesting. That doesn't separate their business from any other creative business out there. Mm-hmm. He said, so much of what I do is relationship based that I just realized if I were hit by a bus tomorrow, our company would cease to exist. I think you and I very often put ourselves in those situ- uh, same situations where we have, really don't have a product that we're selling that would live on its own. We are selling services and we're selling ourselves to people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what would happen to Sorgatron Media if Sorgatron himself didn't exist? Uh, you got to think about that sometimes. Somber note. Uh- <laughs> no, no, no. Just proactive. Or if you yeah. wanted to sell it, if you wanted to flip it in five years and say, okay, I've built up this small media empire. What could you actually take off my hands? You need more than just your specific relationship with your listeners and viewers. You need something that people can actually sink their teeth into in a budget statement and say, oh, okay, this makes sense. This is worth the investment. You know, if somebody else wouldn't buy your business, what are you doing wrong? Is a great question for the future. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Uh, And more of these interesting ideas are over at justinconnecting.com. Indeed. I have my own blog over at Sorgatron.com. Of course, you can check out everything going on with us at SorgatronMedia.com. We have, uh, you know, Unsung. We have Awesome Cast, The Wrestling Mayhem Show. Lots of stuff going on over there. A full, um, we're verging on becoming a full-fledged content network, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, hey, you know, join us here as uh, Juggalo John and Mr. Derby have today over at Live.SorgatronMedia.com at 4 p.m. Eastern uh, every Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter. Talk to us on Twitter. Give us some comments at freelance for real or freelance for real at sorgatronmedia.com. Of course, freelance for real.com. Uh, we're available on iTunes and MediaFly and, uh, and, uh, sponsors as, uh, anybody watching the video live, he's holding up the cup again. Or wait, are you, are you a logo in? Are you a logo in though? If, what's that? I, I think you're a logo away though. Is that the right logo? Let me see that. Is it, is it, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and pals.com, please, please. Yes. Us. If you're in the city of Portland, Oregon and you need books, pals.com, the place to be. <laughs> please, please sponsor us. All right, guys, for, uh, for Mike and for, for Justin, this is Mike and, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Freelance for real. Cheers. Take back your freedom.